on this week's episode i'm delighted to be joined by sean anderson owner and founder of hoxo media he's an inbound marketing expert a personal brand coach and host of the rag podcast sean absolutely thrilled to have you on board mate we've been friends on linkedin for quite a while but actually we had a meeting in a pub um i think it was last month which was the first time i met you and i really really enjoyed that really thrilled to have you on uh, obviously you're a superstar on linkedin and your content has certainly caught lots of attention really keen to find out more about you as a person um so if you want to start yeah behind linkedin <laughs> cheers yeah. mate I appreciate it. it was nice to meet you too uh, you know, it was one of them impromptu things, wasn't it? I was on um, it, I was on LinkedIn that week and I was going to Bristol and I saw John Blackburn put up a video and I was like, yeah, I forgot he lived there. So I messaged him and then he was like, fancy coming out and meeting us. And I was like, yeah, why not? And then you turned up and you know what? LinkedIn has its benefits, but actually that is a big one. I went to Edinburgh at the weekend as well and um, I literally put up a message about Edinburgh, just like, has anyone got any recommendations? And one of my other clients who I forgot lived there was like, I'll take you out. So I went out on Saturday with him. It was like, you know, it's so, so nice to have those contacts in different places. It really is. And it's one of those things where we've both built friends kind of virtually, but when you actually meet someone as well, it's just, it just makes it feel, feel a lot better, which is really good. So really keen to find a bit more about you as a person. I think your business success is, is therefore to see, we can delve into that, but you as a, as, as a, as a man, as a person, as a human. So, if you're comfortable, mate, um, I'd love you to go back almost like back to from school days to where you are now and you, your journey to date. That's okay. Uh, yeah, how much detail do you want? I like to go dark. I'm not as old as my grey hair suggests, though. I'm, I'm 34, so it's not, it probably won't take as long as some people. But um, uh, my background, I mean, I'm, I'm one of three boys. So I'm the middle, middle of three boys. Um, grew up in Manchester and... I had a pretty good upbringing. I mean, we're originally from a pretty tough part of town. Parents split up. Mum and stepdad got together, moved us to a better part of town. Still not amazing, but but you know they stretched themselves to put us in a in a good school, Catholic school, and and you know we had no, we didn't really have any disposable income growing up, but we had we had each other and we were tight. We were really tight. So yeah, I had a good I had a good upbringing. Um, and then I, I was one of them kids where. I was naturally quite talented in a lot of things. Like my dad was a professional footballer. Um, my yeah. dad played for Everton. My dad played for Everton. So I always had a bit of pressure from that to be, and I was a good footballer, played for Manchester boys and I had trials for, for clubs and stuff. But I, ne- I never actually made it in football, obviously. And you know what? I didn't actually enjoy football when it got serious, but I was naturally good at that. Didn't really apply myself. I was pretty naturally good at school in a lot of subjects. Didn't really apply myself that much, if I'm brutally honest. I was one of them where, I kind of left things a bit late. I liked to talk a bit. I was never in trouble, really. I was not there. I was never causing problems. I was just cheeky and, and spoke a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Probably why I ended up in the group. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I got to that age where you're like 16 or whatever. And I knew I wanted to leave home. I knew I wanted to move away. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I was thinking about being a, doing some form of trade. A lot of my mates were, were trading, getting into trades and... You know, my mum was a driving instructor. My stepdad was a truck driver. My dad worked in a factory after football. Like we were, you know, I wasn't surrounded by any kind of entrepreneurial business people whatsoever. Right. And um, my bro- my brother was at Sheffield Hallam University doing a sports degree. So, you know, being the lazy ass I was, I was like, I'll probably go to Sheffield Hallam because I've you know <laughs> been been there once to see Ross. I've not been anywhere else. Um, and then I spoke to my two teachers at college like what should I do I was I was good at art and PE and psychology they were my three subjects mm. actually really good at psychology I got 100% in my A-levels which I, I wow. should have stuck 
I should have stuck with that because I love it. Like I love it now, but it's not that cool when you're 17, 18, is it? That kind of stuff. And uh, I was good at PE. I was good at art. And my, my art teacher said, why don't you be an architect? So uh, I went to university on an architecture degree. And the first day I got there, I knew I was in the wrong place. Like literally the first day I'm in this room and uh, yeah. the, the lecturer stands up at the front. He says, you know, if you're in this room for these reasons, like almost don't stand up, but just, you know, take take notice. And he, he basically just described me. Right. Like, you're here, <laughs> but you're here because you think you're going to earn loads of money. You see it as a vocation. You're naturally potentially kind of artistic and talented, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, or you're this kind of person, you know, you're, you're genuinely interested in buildings. You, you know, you're, you're, you're good at maths and all these things that I was like, that's not me. Um, after two weeks, I basically quit. And I went to the, I went to the halls of the, the, the faculty and said, I'm out. And they were like, right, you got to go home. And I was like, nah, I'm living in the halls with my mates. I'm loving life. I'm not going home. So this was probably my earliest like sign of a recruiter, I think, or a BD type person. Cause mm. I literally said, just walked up to the faculty of sport. And I've just got into the football team. So I'm like, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm in the football team, like, and I've got a PE degree. So they were like, no, there's no other courses. And I, just, I literally just walked over and knocked on the, the main man's door, like the top yeah. of the, the, the head of faculty of sport. And he opened it. <laughs> wow. And he's like, excuse me. So I said, look, I want to ask you a question. And I just pitched myself, told him a story. You know, I'd made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. And he signed me up. So he put me on a, I got on a sports coaching degree. Uh, did that wasn't particularly engaged by it if I'm brutally honest didn't really enjoy it that much um, but did it got a 2-2 um, well, looking back I should have I should have done better but again I, I just left all my work to the last minute and right. did a lot of I worked in bars and I just enjoyed myself but I had an amazing time and then then I got into sales I left uni to get a sales job um, went into Pareto, have you heard of Pareto Law? Have yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Rector, the graduate recruit, sales recruitment business. Yeah. So I got through their assessment day. That was a funny story, but maybe for another time. And uh, <laughs> they even had me out interviewing else all over like Nottingham, Sheffield, where I was living. Yeah. But then I seen an advert in the newspaper, I think, saying like direct sales and marketing, which was knocking on doors. Right. I didn't, didn't realize till I went. Um, and then I got a job knocking on doors for charities. It was a good cause, but it was a complete like pirate pyramid scheme type place. Um, and I did that for six months after uni. I did really well, actually. I was making good money. I was flown to Germany on this Rising Star Award. I had a team of like 15 people reporting into me. I was only like 21. Wow. There's no, there no commission. I mean, there's no, there's no salary. It was just pure comms. Yeah. Um, and then my, my business partner now, my best mate from uni, Amma, was working in, in primary schools doing supply teaching. And he was finishing the day before I was even knocking on my first door at three o'clock. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm in the wrong job. So I switched that over and became a P teacher. Wow. And I did three years as a P teacher. I loved it. Amazing life, amazing journey. And uh, then I went traveling. So I decided to go traveling probably a year or two before I went in when I was 22, 21, 22, me and again, me and my business partner, I'm a, and another mate decided we we're going to go away left in less 10 years ago so october 2010 and then flew to austria well, went around did the whole southeast asia route ran out of money i literally went with less than two grand and came back nearly two years later it was nuts um and then got to australia and that is where everything changed because that I'd, I'd, I'd no money it's fucking expensive yeah and i was living, i was living like out of a backpack and you know living like a 
like a foreigner probably does in the UK, you know, just doing like odd jobs. I was doing mm. labouring, I was doing um, ripping up carpets in an airport. I was a barista for a while. I was just yeah. doing anything to make money. And then one of my mates got into recruitment. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. Everyone's on visas. Everyone's English. Everyone's kind of young. He was in this skyscraper in Melbourne. I don't know if anyone's listening. It's called the Rialto Towers. And I, you know, I went for a drink after work with him. And he, I was like, I've got to do this. So I got myself a job there. Yeah, did 18, 18 months or so, and then decided to come back to the UK. That was when I it was either become an Aussie or come back to the UK. And at the time, I was 25, turning 26, mm. single, felt quite, what's the word? Australia felt too tame for me. I've said it a few times. It felt, yeah. very, felt a very, like, sort of place you'd be at my age now with maybe some young children, love, enjoy your time at the weekends mm. and the beach. I wanted to go out and party and I was just like, it was too, you know, I found it quite boring to be brutally honest. Yeah, yeah. So London was the place, moved to London, 26, got into recruitment again, joined a startup, uh, hated it for the first month, thought about going back to teaching seriously, nearly quit, like had real serious doubts about it. Mm. Um, and then something, I met up with a mate of mine who was in recruitment who was, I basically met two mates, one who was a teacher that I'd worked with before, and he, he was happy, but nothing had changed in his life in like three or four years. And I met this little lad who I'd not seen for three or four years, and he was earning a fortune. And he's now a recruitment owner, and he's fine. But at the time, he was coming up, he was a top biller in his agency, and I was like, I kind of fancy that life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I put my head down in London. The next year, I smashed it. I literally became top biller. I think I billed 200 that year, 500 the next, 750 the next. And then I became a manager. And then it was time to set up Hoxo. And wow. well, Hoxo was a recruitment company. So mm. I've been very open about that. I had Bullhorn, I had it already, right? I was, me and Am, so basically, Am had gone into recruitment at the same time in Australia from teaching as well. But he was a primary school teacher, I was a secondary. And he'd gone down the teaching recruitment route. And I was doing like technology into insurance. So I was like, mm. they're not. There's no synergy for, for an agency to share those two markets. So he joined my business and the plan was two years of training, learning my market or similar. And then we'd go out. And that was all to plan right till the last minute. And then I changed my mind and then I launched Hoxo. So that brings me to what, 30 years old. So I, I launched a marketing agency having never done a day marketing in my life. No fucking idea what I was doing. Just had a, yeah. had a vision. I just had a vision. Yeah. Like the amount of people on LinkedIn doing what they're doing now, including me, there was no one doing it. Now. There was no one. Like yes. literally no one. Yes. Um, and I was like, I just fancied it. I felt like, I felt like I knew recruitment really well. I, I felt like I was very good at the job. It wasn't a case mm -hmm. of not being good at it. I knew it inside out. I was very good at it. But I also felt like there was a lot of, there was a lot of change coming and hmm. I, I was just more excited about that than doing the job if I'm brutally honest the right. thought of impacting people was was bigger so you know I learned a lot hired people fired people made mistakes and then Hoxo went from strength to strength and over the first three years you know we got to about there's about 16 people in London going into the pandemic was that, yeah it was our third year anniversary the week before the pandemic and yeah. everything was going well we were starting to the plans were big we we're making some cash for the first time the first couple of years we made no money um or not profit anyway really and then mm. this is all business stuff by the way there's a lot yeah. of personal stuff no, 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 absolutely we'll we delve, we delve into that yeah. so that took us to the pandemic and then 
now, a year after that, we've now grown. We've doubled the company in the last 12 months. We've now got, there's 29 people. I think there's 30 of us, if someone accepts today. Um, we've, we've gone fully remote. We've got people, in, we've got 12 in South Africa. We've got three in the US, one in Barbados, a yeah. couple in Central Europe and the rest in the UK. Um, we've got the coaching company in the academy. We've got the agency, and it's all yeah. it's all moving in the right direction. Um, my life has transformed. You know, I ended up getting married in 2019, got divorced in 2020. <laughs> no, I got I split up in 2020, got divorced in 2021. So all the way through the last the pan, it's been it's literally been a crazy mm. since since early 2019. My life just went fucking nuts. Like everything yeah. up to that felt quite. I've not really been rocked by anything big. I don't think. Yeah. And then the last couple of years was just insane. But I suppose everyone's probably got stories in the last couple of years that they could, they could rely on. Wow. Thank you so much, mate. Just before, you're 34, aren't you? Yeah. Mate, I've got to say, for, for the age that you are, it's a phenomenally successful life already. Congratulations on all your achievements. I, w- I want to go back on so much there. The overriding summary of that is the feeling of determination no fear drive passion kind of like you know knocking on your university guy's door um mm. and getting in there but then then quitting and then then going traveling with not very much money and uh you know having your first sales job and smashing that out of the park then getting into recruitment smashing that out of the park and not being for, almost kind of like literally a little bit like me just kind of hit, hitting achievements and achievements and, and achievements but not necessarily being fulfilled not necessarily. yeah 100% and it feels to I me think that's like- why I didn't start a recruitment company if I'm brutally honest was that I wasn't it wasn't for the thought of it wasn't as fulfilling as I knew there was something else that would would be more exciting for me and yeah I'd listen I'd listen to podcasts a lot so I stopped drinking alcohol a lot in 2015 I, I do drink but not I have these big periods where I don't and you know I'm, I've got a really interesting relationship with alcohol. I don't, I don't I've never been like a big, big drinker so it's not even coming mm. from like, you know it's some people have like problems I'm I'm totally the other way if anything I, I actually find I'm better just I'm just I don't need it like yeah. I actually become a bit more of a I've become a bit quieter with alcohol it doesn't really send me it sends me in a place I'm not that excited by but anyway I started listening to podcasts in 2015 because I did have a big night once drinking and the next day I was I felt so bad um I found a podcast about um, I'll like be going sober for a bit, and then I got into that so much. I listened to it every day. I did go sober for a month, and then I ended up doing. Ever since then, my relationship with it has been. I've just picked it up and I've dropped it, and you know. But then it got me onto podcast self improvement, yeah. and actually, it. I think that the fact that I learned so much through did through audio through marketing channels mm. was what spurred me to think. Well, recruitment is missing all of this. Like I'm, I'm getting access thought leaders around the world for yeah. free on my device yeah uh, in work i'm still fucking phoning 10 hiring managers before 10 o'clock and i'm like mm. something's missing it what if i produce something that could reach these people at scale like you know thousands yeah. in the morning how yeah. many more how much more opportunity would i have um so it was actually my own thirst for something completely business unbusiness related that led to the idea that took my business in a different way yeah, I, I want to go back on kind of you mentioned right at the start very briefly about kind of a broken family. Obviously, you want to touch on the divorce, but I feel now that whether you've found it or you're finding your 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 absolute purpose, it feels like you're you're in tune with the fact that you want to do something special. You want to give something back. It's not necessarily about money for your accolades. No. It, it, it's about actually having a legacy. Would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think. I just want to enjoy my life. I mean, growing up, yeah, my parents split up when I was five. My, you know, I get on well with my dad. He's not. He's more like a 
friend than a father. Like we, right. we've got we've got a decent relationship, but it's not. My mum was my parent. Right? She brought me up, and my stepdad was. My mum and stepdad were together. Well, they're not married, but they've been together for that many. They were together before my mum and dad. So they were together when they were in the teens. Yeah. So when he came back on the scene, and uh, you know, he's totally different to my dad. He's like. I don't have the same sort of mental thought process. We don't have the same sort of common interest. Me and my dad are very similar. We're chatty, we're football fans, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But with, with him, I found out the other side, I saw a man that was dedicated and would, you know, was really, really committed and would pay all the bills and just was super yeah. consistent. I say he's the most consistent man I've, I've seen. And my mum is a super consistent person, right? Yeah. She is. I remember when I, when I, in year 10, year, early year 11, I failed my mock exams, all of them except for art. Yeah. My, my mum literally beat me up and I'm not joking she literally smashed me over the head with a, with a remote control and was so she was like you are you are throwing your life away she demanded that I, that I, I spent time with kids that were more you know were going to revise and she yeah. she just proper locked me down really and, and I look back and I think she was so strong in times like that she she was proper yeah. just a consistent person even when she didn't have it figured out for herself she, she, she held it together for us so this, so this no fear, this determination, this inner inner belief. Do you think you were born with that, or do you think something happened to you early on? Was it your mum, your parents? Where do you think that's come from? I don't know. You know, it's a good point. I think it's mum. I do. It's my mum is the person who always backed me for everything. She, you know, she'd tell me she she'd support me and everything. I, look, I, as a school teacher, I noticed very very quick there was two things that children lack. Right? There's a, too many kids in 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 schools in today never get told no ever yeah. at home right? so my mum was brilliant at that so if i said mum can i have that no um, can i have that no not now not now we'll see later she was great at just going no like you're going to eat that dinner or you're not going to eat you're going to do that or you're not going to fucking go out mm-hmm. like she was really strong and then in school when parents when teachers told me no i listened that's why i never really got in trouble right. Whereas when i was a teacher you'd have parents that were loaded you'd have kids that were from amazing families who were brats because at, yes. night, at home everything they asked for gets given so and, and I, I think I was first and foremost, I was given the value of no and the value of money because hmm. my mum was, my mum never had any money, but what we all, we always used what we had really economically. Like my mum now lives on peanuts. Like she's literally just very minimal, very, um, lives a very like simple life. And we lived like that. We didn't have Sky TV. We didn't go on holidays abroad. We did, we did, we went to like Cornwall once a year for a week or something like, yeah, yeah. But, we had a really good life, but it was very simple. And I really think that stuck with me. So even now, like my driver isn't money and flashy. So I don't want to buy a fucking jet and fly around the world. And I do cool things, but it's not, I'm not driven by that. I don't, but I don't spend my money on it. Even as a top billion recruit, I didn't buy Rolexes and watches and cars. Or, yeah. I saved up for a house. I didn't, you know, I was, yeah. that's kind of, so the, I think I've got, I've, I think I was always, Always had, and, and, and the second thing that a lot of kids don't have is genuinely someone who's behind them that, that picks them up. So when they have a bad day, someone who's like there for them. Right, right. She was that person. She dragged us back up. So when you've got that strength behind you, I think it does it does does help. And I don't, I don't know, mate. I honestly don't think I had that much of a. I don't think it was obvious I was going to be that entrepreneurial or anything. I wasn't like the guy selling sweets in the in the yeah. park or anything. Right? Um, Saying that, I did run an event at college, which made me quite a lot of money once, and, and that was, I don't know anyone else that did it, but I, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I think it was, it was like with football, I was, I was talented at things, but I never kind of 
something stopped me from pushing myself. And even in recruitment at the, in mm. the beginning, I think I felt a bit like that. It was only in London when I was like surrounded by a boss who was probably a bit like my mum in a way. Claire was just so supportive and I knew she believed in me. I knew she backed me. Yeah. She was like, we're going to be fucking awesome. Right. And even when I had a few bad months at the beginning, she was like, just take the pressure. Off. She took the pressure off me. Um, and then I came through. And as soon as I came through and I, and I tasted success, yeah, I went for it. Well, it feels like up until your marriage, which we're going to talk about now, that it was not, not plain sailing, but you, you were the master of your own destiny. You, you built your, your life and your success. And it was, you know, there wasn't much adversity. But to get married, at, to, you know, in 2019, then be divorced, you know, 18 months later, whatever it was. Talk, talk to us yeah. about that. What happened? No, we split up a year later and we divorced nearly two years. Um, oh, I don't want to go into too every detail about it, but the, the long and short of it was we were together for five years. And shortly before the wedding, it was clear there was something missing. There was, there was something not quite right. Um, my, my ex is from a Turkish background. She had a lot of family involved. There was with this big wedding. There was a lot of pressure. And, you know, I was running a business. I was at the time of just before we got married, I was exiting my business partner, one of my business partners, because me and Emma started with, with a third person who's, who's now, you know, we brought him out and it, it was tough. It was, it's really amicable. We get on well, but... Mm. I was really emotional. He was my friend from school. So I'm going through that. I'm renovating a house that um, her father had given us, but I had to pay all the renovation costs. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I kind of, I remember doing, a, I did a podcast with Tony Kokoza in, in, in May 2019, which was about a month or so before the wedding. And I opened up in a way I didn't expect because I found I was drinking quite a lot and I don't drink that much, but I was going after work and having a few drinks. And I think subconsciously I knew there was something wrong, but I, couldn't put a finger on it. And then shortly before the wedding, my ex basically said she didn't want to get married, like very short, very close to the wedding, like four weeks before. Yeah. Um, and it was because we'd kind of, we drifted apart and we tried to work out why and whether or not we'd get married and whether we should get married. And we kind of, we decided to do it. Yeah. Probably a lot of the pressure of other people, but it never, it just never felt right after that. And uh, we, we really did drift apart. I mean, I, I, I I feel like I put everything into it. Like I'm genuinely like, I can put my head up high and be like, I, I gave her everything I could give her. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't enough. So when it got to, just before the pandemic came, we were about to break up then. And then when that hit, it was like, right, well, we actually got marriage counseling. And, you know, we, we, I thought the beginning of lockdown would save us because yeah. for the yeah. first time we were cooking together, we were spending time together. We were, we were a lot more connected, but it was still not there. Like there was still, yeah. it was, we probably just become friends and we were too young. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, she was 30, I was 33 or whatever. It just didn't, it just didn't feel right. So sure. it was really tough, but I made yeah. the decision. I just said to her, like, you know, do you want to go through more counseling? Do you want to do any more? Do you want to keep pushing for this? And she was like, no. Um, and I was like, all right, so I'm off. So that was June 29, 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Got my COVID test, tested negative and then took my stuff and went, back to Manchester and that was it and then we got, yeah. we got divorced. I think we officially got divorced in April May this year um, and it was it's, oh, it's been tough it's been really tough because you question your own behaviour did it you know was it me did I yeah did I, yeah. Did I, did I do enough was I vacant did it you know I'm, I've, I've analysed it a lot I've had a, I've had a personal coach I've had business coaches I've had all sorts of support you know yeah I've invested a lot in myself in the last year to get through this and mm-hmm. there's things I can learn but Deep down, it just wasn't. We just weren't compatible. It's as simple as that. We're the wrong. Yeah. We're the wrong. 
I, th- I think as as kind of fellow entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, we, we have to put on a certain persona. But I think you and I, you know, we we're passionate about vulnerability and uh, being ourselves and be- being open and being authentic. I want, I want to sort of delve a bit deeper into kind of how it how it did actually affect you emotionally because it must have done. And how did you deal with that? Because um, at the end of the day, she's she's you loved her. She's your wife, and, and it it didn't. It just, it's an incredible rejection is the feeling when someone doesn't want to marry. Then they marry. Then they pretty much pushed you away for a year, and then decide they won't. Like I kept, I paid for counselling. I was fighting for it, and it was just like I'm I'm pushing a rock up a hard place here. So. I actually had a, had a cancer scare last at the same time. So in, oh, wow. in, right. in May, June last year, I'd found a lump in my back and I was wow. like, what the fuck is this? Went to the doctors and it was like, a, they said it could be a, a tumour. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, so literally, I'm, gone, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of COVID. I'm doing podcasts every day. Yeah. On the surface, I've got it perfect. I've got this beautiful wife. She's stunning. I've got this beautiful dog. I've got this nice little home. I've got a great business. Everyone's like, you are the happiest man on the planet. Yeah. Behind the scenes, I've got... Someone who doesn't want to be with me, I've got, I'm in a city, I'm probably now feeling really isolated. Like all my family, all my mates have moved away from different parts of London and my family up north. Yeah. Everyone's isolated anyway. And then I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm being tested for, for tumorous lung, uh, cancerous tumors. And I'm like, it turned out I had a blood clot because I was exercising a lot in, in the lockdown. It wasn't, it was nothing, but wow. it really, it really made me question myself and my life. And I was like, you know what, you know, or lean into this fear i think the fear of rejection yes. also being 33 at the time i was i had this vision of what i wanted i wanted to have a family i wanted to be a father i wanted to you know i wanted to have a great marriage i wanted and i didn't want to my dad was 30 when he had me and i was like, i don't want to be that much older than him when i have children like in my head but then there's no use in doing that with someone who doesn't want to be with you and you're not happy yeah. right? so yeah it was like letting go of that vision and rejection were the two things I heard that hurt me the most. So when I went back home, I moved in with my brother, and he lives in a place called Alderley Edge, which is beautiful, Cheshire, South Manchester. And he's got this like two-story apartment flat thing. And the bottom ground's like underground, so I was staying there for free, which was brilliant. And I had this like my window was at an angle because you're underground, and the, I don't know if you remember July last year. It rained every day, like every single day. Yeah, I went from I went from March to june in london being like it was like tropical weather and then i got there already sad and it just rained every single fucking day and mm. i used to wake up every morning early do some yoga and i'd take my dog for a walk for an hour about half six and honestly i wanted to cry brunch every morning i was listening to podcasts about relationships so I, I couldn't listen to business stuff i, I was listening to a guy called matthew hussey who's like this relationship counseling coach and a few of esther perel things and I was just trying to explore and digest and process what had gone on. And it was really, really difficult to walk to, I was holding back emotions all the time. Mm. And then, but then to snap back and be ready for work at nine o'clock was yeah. so fucking difficult. Like literally right. I was like, I, I just don't want to do it. Like for the first time in my life, I was like, I'm so like engrossed in trying to work out what the hell's happened in my personal life. Yeah. But, but then, you know, you've got a business and I'm doing this academy and I'm like the face of it and I've got to do social and live video and yes. and I managed it. I didn't take a day off. I just went, I just carried on. Um, and you know what? I think it did support, it did help having that focus because from nine o'clock then onwards, I was busy as hell. Um, yeah. So I did that for about six weeks 
And then I was like, you know what, the weather's too bad, enough's enough. We had that window where the world opened up a bit and I flew to Spain, I went to Ibiza and I got a, just got an Airbnb on my own. Um, you know, and, and just literally did what I was doing from home there. I just trained, worked wow. you know, on my own. Didn't have my dog, which was one of the major reasons I wanted to come back after five, five and a half weeks I did. Yeah. That was a great decision. Absolutely brilliant decision um, because it just got me away. It gave me yeah. real... Real distance to think. Kind of looking really within, aren't you? And I think you're not, you're not looking for external help. You're trying to sort of find yourself. You mentioned or used the phrase leaning into fear, which, which is an interesting one. So just go a bit deeper around what you've actually learned from, because this is proper adversity. This is emotional trauma, mm. isn't it? What did you learn from that, from that period? Well, it's, it's a funny one. But I think also that the, the impact of social media, like, you know, you see people having happy relationships every day, the couple goals and all that bullshit all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it gives you a very warped version vision of what relationships should look like anyway. Um, and then I'd put my wedding on fucking LinkedIn in 2019. And honestly, even to this yeah. day, it still, it still haunts me a bit, right? Because I, I went to an event, I went to the TRN event the weekend after the, my wedding. Yeah. I went on my honeymoon, came back and went to a, the retreat and about 200 people came up and shook my hand and congratulated me. On that day, I knew that she didn't want to marry me anyway. So I'm like, it wasn't, you know, I felt like a fucking fraud. Mm. Um, so then when I split up with her, I was like, I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt like the world was going to laugh at me. I felt like everyone was, you know, what an idiot. Like, mm. that's, that was a fear I had. I had this fear that I would not meet anyone else. I had this fear I'd not have children. I had this, you know. Yeah. I also feared that I'm giving up too soon. Like, you know, could we get through it? Um, but then I just had to lean. I was like, my gut, my gut feeling is that I need to go, and that uh, you know I'm a good person. I've put my my heart yeah. into it, and if if I thought to myself, if if I'm not right for someone now, after all I've done, I'm not going to be right. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to have an egg transplant. Yeah. Like, I am now. So I had to lean into that. That got you. The, the the confidence that actually at some point I'll feel good again yeah. because I know I'm a good person. Was was, well, you know, was I was leaning into all this fear, but I was like, you know, I've got to go, and it took me a while. Like, you know, I could have gone six months earlier, but I waited and yeah. I waited. And there's a point where staying the same becomes more frightening than the change, and that's when you'll make the change. I think that's right, leaning into fear, but I think it, it feels like you kind of released any guilt or shame you might have had because I think automatically in that situation you blame yourself. And I know you've talked to me about some of the reasons why it happened, and you don't have to share that now. But I, th I think carrying guilt and shame can hold you back. I think it was fear, but also actually now you're saying to yourself, actually, you did all you could. Would you say that's fair? Hundred percent. Like I've, I've analysed it over and over again, and yeah, the, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. The only you know perfect, hundred percent perfect decisions happen in hindsight. But if yeah. I look back, I think I did a good job. I think I was respectful. I, you know, I embraced culture. I probably learned Turkish for God's sake. Obviously, <laughs> many, many Englishmen that would do that. You know, I'm dancing yeah, on a yeah, stage yeah. at my wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, a, she's a good person. She, I, I really wanted to have a good life, and I think um, I think she will. But she'll. I think you know. I think she's found it difficult as well. I think there's been times where she's questioned. Did she make the right decision? But yeah, for me, we, looking back, we were not compatible. Like, if I look at the relationship I have with my business partner mm. compared to the relationship with her, because I think it is a you know it's a major relationship. It was it was chalk and cheese how compatible we were like compared to to because you could have some real difficult moments with yeah. business partner. We just don't like we just we just work together. We communicate. We we we're very equal in the way that we operate. And I think 
we 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 had a really unbalanced relationship towards the back end. So mm. yeah, leading into fear with that, and then I think that's something now that I, I when I when I do feel like I'm worried about something, I've got to do it. You know, I'm like, I've got to, I've got yeah. to try it. I've got to push unless it's ridiculous and it's like you know it's it's a, it's a stupid thought. If it's something that's real and it's in front of me, I just think to myself, well, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna go away. Mm. It typically doesn't go away. So even going to the doctors when I had that lump, shit yeah. myself. Like I, I honestly was questioning whether to bother. Like I was like, I just don't want to know, kind of thing. Right. But then the fear over three days got too got too much, and I had to go and do it. And now I would never leave any. I don't think I'd leave anything for more than a. I'd just go straight away because it was actually such a positive experience when you do stuff like that. Wow, Am- amazing stuff, Sean. I've got to say, um, what's been your biggest? success or the thing you're most proud of so far then in your in your life would you say um the most proud of don't know you know i think i'm just really i'm just genuinely quite blessed right now i feel like you know i've got i've got what my, the lifestyle i've got right now is 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 ideal like you know I've, i'm able to work how i want to work i've got great people around me i'm really really supportive people um I'm fortunate that I can help others if I, if I want to. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm proud of raising 40,000 pounds this year for the, for the, for the schools, you know, for the school, yeah. for the, for the children to get laptops. I'm proud of that. Um, cause it shows the power of, of, you know, social media. Yes. Um, I'm proud of launching two companies in, in a market. I don't really know. Like I launched a marketing agency and I've now launched a new learning company, two things yeah. I've never really done. So, um, but, I just, I just look at my life and, and I, I analyze four things all the time. My health, what I'm doing at work, my relationships, and like my personal development. Like, and, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm able to balance a lot of stuff. I feel like I'm proud of the, work, the fact that I'm, I've got a good ability, I think. And again, something might rock me next week and, you, you know, I'll, I'll tell you I'm, I'm, I'm talking nonsense. But right now, we, having gone through what I've gone through, I've got a hell of a lot of stuff on my plate. There's, 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 there's so many spinning plates, but I'm able to kind of put things and not, not get too engrossed in each yeah. one and just try and remove the emotion from things. No, I absolutely love that. Um, and a different question. Um, I'll ask it in two different ways. If you were 18 now, what would you, well, what would you do differently? Any regrets? No, I'm... <laughs> Would I do anything differently? I mean, I don't think you would because it's got you where you are, right? And it is who you, you are who you are. I think if I could tell myself or if I could change something, I would have, I'd love to have been exposed to entrepreneurial people earlier. Mm. So mm. having grown up where I grew up, the, the, the network that I had, you know, there was, I, I joke about it, but I used to think a businessman was a, an actual profession. Like, you were a businessman, right. like that was a job. I didn't know what the fuck that meant, but I thought that was a job, right? Every other job made sense. That one just didn't make it. I didn't do, even do business studies, so I didn't get it. Um, and I wish I'd done more business stuff. And I wish I had some kind of support, mentor, mm. because I think I'd have done stuff faster. I think I'd have made more impact quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what I'm most concerned about in the future, though, is, is not being one of those parents if I'm, if I'm lucky enough to have children that mm. I saw when I was a teacher that because right. I hopefully I'll be financially in a position I could buy my kids what I want I, I want to make sure I can still instill those those like the work ethic and that ability to value money and, and and appreciate the power of the word no because yeah 
you've got to be real. I think there's a reason people do it. It's because it's difficult. When you, my mum probably couldn't afford half the things I wanted, so it was easy. But if you can, God, that's got to be a challenge, right? Definitely. You want to keep your happy all the time. I mean, having achieved so much, at, you know, you're 10 years younger than me, mate. I'll take my hat off to you. Um, what is your vision, plan, or even purpose moving forward? Um, I think I'm probably not that dissimilar to you, really. I, um, I'd love to think that in a few years' time, my business will be in a position where it's operating pretty much independently of me. Um, Hoxo Media, the agency, is now anyway. I don't really get involved. My business partner runs it. And then the academy is my, my business that I focus on 100%. I, I'm, I'm not an egomaniac that people think. I want, to build a, I want to build a business. I want there to be employees and people running it. So I've got some amazing people in the team already. So my vision in... By the time I'm 40, when I started Hoxo, I was 30, I said to myself, I've got 10 years of running full pelt and, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Five, six years, well, I'm turning 35 in two weeks, so five years' time, I'd love to be in a position where I'm, I might have either, you know, I've either sold the business, exited, or, yeah. I, or it's, it's running without me and I'm just a kind of chairman. I don't know, like, yeah. they often say a business good enough to sell is a business good enough to keep. But, I actually don't want to. I don't want to go to work nine to five every day. I want to, you know, I'd ideally, hopefully, have a small family. I'd want to be in, involved in that. I'd want to be, you know, yeah, doing the fatherly stuff. I, I kind of, I don't know. I just, I'm not the guy that wants to work till I'm sixty to then enjoy it. I'd rather, you know, get it, get it done early and try and. I'll always be busy. I'll always be. I like the thought of doing what you're doing. You know, coaching, yeah. mentorship, helping people with, mm. you know, business mental health physical health the whole piece I'm, I'm interested in it all so yeah you know i think i could i could see myself advising entrepreneurs and people that are going yeah. through things but also still having a business potentially that i'm ticking over and um, but just spending time with the people i care about and and yeah doing just just enjoying it because shit can happen anytime life you don't know what's around the corner yeah, I think you're already doing that. You have been doing that actually indirectly. You, you think you have, but you, you, I think you are a coach you, in the work that you've done and what you've done. You can, mm. And I, I found that when I, well, I've been doing this last two or three years, I actually look back and thought, actually, I've been, I've naturally been doing it anyway. And I think you'll be, you'll be great at that when you formally do it. On, on that point, as, as we kind of close then, what advice would you like to give the audience around life in general, kind of leadership, the, you know, leadership, adversity, just any, any, any advice you'd like to give the audience? I think it's tough. I think I think we're all going through shit, right? I think that's the first thing is actually as much as I promote social media and I think it can have wonderful benefits from for your business, from a personal perspective, you've actually got to be careful, you know? Yes. I think you could sit there and get, you know, stuck to the red dot dopamine on LinkedIn and not actually, you know, you're missing out on certain things. So for me it's remember that everyone's got problems. No no Instagram picture or LinkedIn post is the true reality of people's lives. Um, so that hopefully that gives you some comfort that you're not the only one going through things. Yeah. Um, and just to ask for help, like go and speak to people. Like the one thing, look, I've been through some shit in the last year, but I've invested time and money and found people that could help. Like I've had three different coaches in the last year that have been working mm. with me for, they've been working with me in different things. So, you know, I'm not, I, I would say don't be naive enough to think you can figure this shit out on your own because yeah. you don't, you're not on your own. There's always someone else. That's the same in business, right? There's always someone out there who will lend an ear and will help you out. They will, they'll give you a, you know, their opinion. And so, yeah, no problem is, no problem is, is, is completely on your, on your shoulders and there'll always be someone you can find that can help. 
Absolutely, mate. I really, really enjoyed that. I love your honesty. Um, I see you as a good friend. I'm inspired by you, mate. Look up to you. Keep up the great work. Where, or oh, people know you anyway, but where can people find you? Um, mainly? Yeah, just just LinkedIn. I don't use Instagram anymore. I got rid of that. Um, don't use Facebook. So uh, <laughs> just just LinkedIn. That's the only social media platform at the moment I'm, I'm spending any time on. If I, if I think there's value in from a business perspective and another, then I, yeah. you're me like that I, I didn't get into clubhouse i had a little play on it and it just yeah. didn't do it. um so on my podcast so I, I host a show called the rag which is recruitment agency growth where i interview recruitment owners and talk about their growth stories this year we're going to be launching season five and it's going to be different so it's going to i told you about those four areas of life yeah, life yeah. it's all about, it's going to be all about that so it's going to be about entrepreneurs habits wow. so how do people how do people daily manage those four things how do you daily what are the, what are the successful habits you have daily mm. to be mindful to be physically healthy to to get through your working day to to maintain your family relationships right. your friendships, and to keep investing and moving yourself forward so you know we're going to be interviewing mainly recruitment owners but people outside um and yeah i, want, I think that is probably one of the hardest things whenever i speak to people they're burnt out they're tired they want to improve but they don't know the tactical stuff they can try tomorrow that might make so so for example sorry to keep going i know you've got no no not at all um for example this week i've tried two things i've started taking my phone and leaving it in a different room right when i'm working so sounds crazy but i can phone people on my uh, crm if i want to phone someone and linkedin's on my desktop my email's on my desktop yeah it's rare so i've i've managed to I'm so much more focused. Whereas when I've got my phone and I've got WhatsApp pinging and you know I've got Apple News yeah, or of course. whatever, I'm, I'm naturally I don't know I've got this habitual thing to check stuff. So getting rid of it and that all right, my job isn't phone. But if you've got a phone at your yeah. desk, something else like I can call through. And if someone rings me, I'm going to check it within a couple of hours. It's no, it's never that urgent. Yeah. Um, and then I've deleted the apps that I don't want off my phone. Right, so I've got no LinkedIn on my phone. I've got no email left on my phone. Wow, brilliant. So. So I've, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is create different usage for different applications. Yeah. So my, my laptop is my, and the work, my room now is my office. It's purely work so that when I'm in here, I'm focused. And when I walk into my, because I'm only in a little flat, yeah. when I enter my living space, I've turned my TV and I've got my phone. It's, it's non-work. So I'm able, totally. and I have to let my team know, you know, because I've got a US-based team. At night, if you yeah. genuinely want me, you're going to have to get me on WhatsApp because I'm not going to be on the... the we have Google Chat as our internal comms. I'm not going yeah, to yeah. delete it off the phone. Um, so it's, it's creating little boundaries for yourself, little limits for yourself, you know, that that can help. Um, so I hope, you know, there's loads of stuff like that that hopefully will... And, and that's what I'm going to be exploring through my podcast this year. So if you want to listen, join... It's The Rag, it's on Apple and Spotify. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy it. I'd actually love to come on as your guest, mate, because that's exactly the stuff that I do that really resonates with me. And I think that will fly. That's a really, really interesting way because often we put our eggs into that work basket, but it's what we do outside of work that affects inside of work, isn't it? And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So thrilled to have you on. That was that was so enjoyable. Could have talked for ages, mate. But um, I hope you enjoy the sunshine this weekend. Absolutely delighted to have you on. Thanks so much, Sean. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry. Vincherry are all-in-one CRM and ATS platform, purpose-built for recruitment and staffing agencies. I chose to partner with Vincherry because, honestly, I'm a customer. They keep me competitive, plug into my calendar and email, and make the whole admin part of my job as a recruiter a hell of a lot easier. 
the purpose of the leadership podcast is to get 25% off in cherries on boarding. So if you're looking for a recruitment CRM to accelerate your growth, check them out at bincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell. Thank you.